Hey, everybody. Welcome to Inside Situation, a bi-weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations we're having in the agency. I'm Peter Yajicic, Head of Technology at Situation. And this week, I have two wonderful guests with me in the studio with two amazing accents, better than mine. Uh, and you'll find out why in just a second. But uh, we're welcoming Pippa Bexen, an account supervisor at Situation. Hello, Pippa. Hi there. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And we've also got Keelan Hunter, one of our creative strategists. Hello, Keelan. Hi, you, Peter. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Thank you guys both so much for coming into the studio today. Before we jump into our, our topic, uh, can you guys each talk about a little bit what it is you do here at Situation? Pippa, why don't we start with you? For sure. Uh, I'm Pippa. Hi, everybody. I am an account supervisor in our client services uh, team, which means that I um, spend my day working uh, with our account team, which is about 16 people now, overseeing um, the management of all our clients here. I specialize specifically in our Broadway vertical. Um, so I work I basically touch every corner of the agency and help oversee kind of strategy and the relationship of uh, some of our major clients here. 16 people. I, I think that you, you're probably the biggest team at the moment. Yeah, I, Is think, that fair to I, say? I think creative and account oh, are kind of like... That's true, depending drawing, on how you do the math and subdivide. head to head, but yeah. yeah. But that's still, that's a, that's a big team. And Keelan, uh, you are a member of the creative team. I certainly am. Can you talk a little bit about what it is you do here at Situation as a creative strategist? Yeah, absolutely. So the strategy team essentially asks the question, why a lot? We make sure that everything that we're doing creatively supports the business objectives of our clients. So we work somewhere in the middle of the data and insights and also the creative execution, just to make sure that everything links together properly and make sure that we are moving forward as we should be for our clients. Fantastic. Uh, well, thank you guys both. And and as you listeners uh, may be able to tell from uh, hearing Keelan and Pippa talk about their job roles here, uh, they are not originally from here. And that's that's kind of the topic that we're going to talk about today. Well, I should put an asterisk on that. Pippa has reminded me. I made an assumption. Pippa was actually <laughs> born in Texas. But uh, she was the one who suggested the topic for the podcast today, which is uh, folks that work here at Situation in New York – uh, but that aren't from this country or don't call this country home, I think is the way the blanket term that we're going to use for the podcast. Uh, and, and I thought that was a fascinating idea. These, the Pippa and Keelan are just two examples of folks that have worked here, uh, from abroad and, uh, wanted to just pick their brains and find out why they've chosen to do that and what, what it's like to work, uh, specific, you know, in the States or specifically in New York, uh, and bring kind of an international perspective, uh, and, and what they like about it. And what they think we could be doing better here uh, in New York, which is always good to get some uh, creative feedback. Um, so why don't we just, Pippa, start with you. Uh, I had made the assumption when I was putting together the questions for the podcast today that you weren't born here, but you actually were born in the States, technically. Uh, you were born in Texas? I was, yeah. I was born in Houston, Texas. Um, I spent very little time there, so no accent, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> you sure it's not in there somewhere? No, you're hiding, not going to hear waiting? it today. Okay. <laughs> I really very would love to hear you try it. But... after many drinks, may you hear it. <laughs> Very rare. No, no y'alls occasionally mm. just sneaking in. I have adopted the y'all, nice. at least in emails, and okay. my friends at home are not impressed. <laughs> nice. And so where do you call home, if, if it not Texas? 
Um, so, um, I moved around a little bit when I was a very, like a baby. Um, but I moved to the UK when I was three, um, and lived in various spots around the South of England and was living in London directly before moving to New York in September, 2011. 2011. Okay. So, uh, five and a half years, five and a half years. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's fantastic. And Keelan, where do you call home? Uh, I call Ireland home. Uh, it's been a long time since I was there, though. It's been about nine years since I lived in Ireland. But I grew up there. I went to school there. And then I left whenever I was 18 to go to college in London. And did you guys each know that uh, you were... Did, at what point in your lives did you feel that working internationally, working in a place that you didn't call home, was going to be something that was going to be appealing to you? Is it something that you just kind of stumbled upon? Is it something that you kind of always felt uh, you wanted to explore? Uh, how did that come about? Um, my family grew up all over the world. My dad never lived in the same country for more than 18 months at a time as a kid. So it's something that's always seemed like a not ridiculous idea. Mm. Um and I'm blessed to be a citizen of this great country. So I have always had an American passport. And I kind of knew what a golden ticket that was from a very young age. Um, and So you kind of had it in your DNA always, yeah. and you had the opportunity. Yeah, so why exactly. Not? And they actually, right about when I was 16, you still couldn't be a dual citizen between the UK and the US. So I kind of, at that time, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to pick which nationality I'm going to be. Um, and then they changed the law and I was able to keep both by when I turned um, 18. And then kind of from that point onwards, I kind of knew it was a really amazing opportunity and I was damn well going to make sure that I took it when the opportunity, find that opportunity and run with it. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Keelan, what about you? What was your... I think moment. I knew fairly early on. Um, we do GCSEs um, over in the UK and most of Ireland, uh, which are exams you take whenever you're about 16 and they sort of determine your career planning. So you have to think about that quite early on from whenever you're about 13 or 14, you choose the subjects that you're going to do for your GCSEs. So I had chosen languages. I had decided that I wanted to be a translator for the EU. So my plan was that I was always going to go to Brussels and work for the EU. Didn't quite end up that way, I decided to go down an arts path. But again, because I wanted to undergo professional arts training, there really wasn't that in Ireland. So whenever I was looking to apply to different colleges, everywhere that I was applying to was outside Ireland. And the vast majority of those were in London. And that's where I ended up. And what was it about languages specifically that appealed to you? I like communication. Um, I think that still shows true, considering I'm working for a communications agency. Sure. Um, and I like being able to speak to different people in different ways. Um, I had always done languages. Whenever I was in prep school, we started French whenever we were four, um, which I think is earlier than schools would tend to do language tuition in the US. So it was always something that I had had an interest in from an early age, was doing other languages. And just whenever I got into grammar school um, I had the opportunity to do more so I picked up German and for a very short space of time I did Japanese in school as well and it just was uh, they were just subjects that 
seemed to work for me and that I really enjoyed. And I think also the potential of learning languages opened up the world to me more. The idea that whenever I was 13 or 14, I was learning two different languages aside from my mother tongue was going to open up a vast range of Francophone and German speaking countries that I could potentially work in in the future. And I think that was really exciting to think that, oh, this is expanding this whole new world outside of Ireland that I could work in professionally. Wow. Uh, So I think it's clear in both of your answers that you from an early age knew that the world was larger than the neighborhood that you lived in. And and I I think that that is such a key to what you think is possible in the world or, or how you view the concept of moving far away from the people that are in your immediate cohort. I think even even for people that, uh, you know, live live in this country, were born in this country, you know, my, my mom was the oldest of seven siblings and uh, she was the first of that group to move away from the area in Philadelphia where they were all born and move away mm-hmm. to the middle of the country. And I, she described a lot of times that that was kind of controversial. Really at the shocking. Time that she did it. Yeah, to, to move more than, uh, you know, a neighborhood or two away from kind of the home, the home base. And uh, now she lives on the other side of the country. But I think for myself, it always instilled in me that idea that, it is possible. And I think all you need to see is the model that the world is bigger than uh, that that immediate area. I think as well for Europeans in particular, uh, on a much smaller scale, not even just living away for vacations, you know, you are on a flight for an hour and you're in a country that speaks an entirely different language and has an entirely different culture, which isn't something that exists here. So if you fly, if I fly from an hour from New York, I can be somewhere great, but it's slightly, it's a similar culture. They speak the same language. And I think having that exposure from a young age again if you're going on a family vacation whenever you're five or six or seven you're going in at that very young age and saying oh here's another world and it may all be very different but that's not scary that's actually quite exciting and and how so would you say the number of the percentage of your immediate friends the the kids that you grew up with in school do you feel like what you did was extraordinary or the norm or somewhere in between i think long term in terms of being away from home for this long that's slightly unusual but the vast majority of my friends have either taken an undergraduate course somewhere else apart from Ireland taken a graduate course somewhere else or worked abroad for a period of time and so I would say that whereas I'm quite set on the fact that I'm probably not going to make my life in Ireland ever again, which wouldn't be common amongst my friends. I think we, for the vast majority of us at some point in time over the past sort of nine, 10 years since graduating high school, we've all been away at some point. Mm. Yeah, not dissimilar for me. My high school friends, a handful of them have done stints abroad. Um I was actually talking to Chris Hawthorne, who's another... Who's been on the podcast. Yeah, non-American. And we were just talking about how we've both been here for coming on a significant amount of time, but we've made friends from elsewhere, also outside of the States. And they've come, they've spent three years in New York and they've left again. Yes. Mm -hmm. So like staying put and watching that cycle happen. Right. Um, My university friends, which probably just speaks to, again more of a hunger for learning and mm-hmm. having a slightly larger worldview, much higher propensity to go abroad. One of my um, best friends in the UK actually 
is furious because at a point in time that this, her six best girlfriends, five of them were living in Brazil oh, and Japan no. and here. And she was like, and she was furious that none of us were down the road anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, but think of all the great holiday spots she now has. That's true. She has to. benefited. It's, it's wonderful, <laughs> except when all your friends start getting married. Uh, yeah, but, have, mm. I, but I think that's just that period of time is terrible, no matter what your circumstances. Yes. Just the expense of destination weddings. Yeah. Just even if all your friends are, are local, that's and, just a very expensive period of time mm-hmm. for anyone's yeah. life. And I will say that um, people are always... Uh, surprised and impressed how often I go back to Europe and the UK. Um, But there's kind of two ways I look at it. One, it's kind of a deal I made with myself when I moved here was that was just something I wasn't going to compromise on. I had to make sure I was still going to be able to not miss out on those big moments happening at home. And also, it's not really that far. It takes the same time to get to London as it does to California. So it's just a kind of different way of thinking about it. Yeah, like I think about that as well. My boyfriend's from Connecticut, but it takes me three hours to get to his home in Connecticut. If you added another two hours, I'd be at home in Ireland. You know, it's it's not that big a deal, really, whenever you think about it that way. Yeah, well, I mean, and I'm sure if your parents listen to this podcast, they'll remind you of that fact <laughs> the next time that you would complain that you can't come home. Uh, well, it's only a few more hours in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um do the the concept I had an opportunity um before I worked here at situation to do a little bit of work abroad, which i I was um, continue to be very grateful for because I think it really uh, my my philosophy is if if anybody's ever going to pay you to work in another part of the world, you should really jump at that opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, you'd, I you'd really be silly not to um uh you know to make money and experience a different culture I think is great and and what one of the things that I discovered was. Uh, my my work took me uh, over to Macau, and the 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 phenomenon of expatriates who decided that that they were going to work in that part of the world uh, was kind of working with a lot of show people who did a lot of production work, um, mostly in Asia and in Australia, and had decided for the rest of their lives that was the area that they were going to kind of be a circle in, and and they embraced the concept of being an expat. Is that something is I don't know if that is something that a label that you apply to yourselves or is that, uh, you know, in my ignorance, just kind of Americans that go abroad. That's a label that they apply to themselves. But the concept that, you know, you, you've kind of chosen you may you may have a residence in the States, but you do a majority of your work outside of the place that you call home or you may not even call that place home anymore. And you've just kind of decided that 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 is your adult life moving forward. And that's how you're that's where they look to marry. That's where they look to have families. Is that something that enters into the calculus for you guys at all? Uh, or does that term resonate? Or is it offensive? Um, I don't love the phrase expat. I, it's interesting. I made a really concerted effort to not just hang out with uh, friends of friends or uh, other individuals who'd grown up in the UK when I moved here. And I was really blessed that I ended up in a Craigslist apartment of dreams with three <laughs> sensational Americans who I can now track most of my friends back to as well as my first job here. Um, so I very quickly wanted to make sure that I was um, 
really integrating myself with um, everyone else and not just sticking to a small circle of other Brits out here. And I was lucky I wasn't working. I was working for a British company, but there was only three of us in the office that were British. A lot of my friends have moved over with banks and they're on a team of 20 and half of them are from the UK or they've moved over together. So I was kind of thrown into the situation where I really didn't know anyone. So I just kind of, it was kind of sink or swim. So I aggressive, I always say I aggressively made friends with anyone who would Mm. talk to me the first year I was here. Um, And I call both places home actually. When I'm Mm -hmm. back, I've just come back from being home for the holidays, home being the UK. Um, And when I was there, I said, well, I'm going home in January, which was my apartment in Brooklyn, New York. (laughs) So, I think the term, uh, I think expat can be problematic in the fact that expat is quite often used to refer to white people or Europeans. And we tend to use the term immigrant to refer to people that aren't. So I think the term itself is slightly politicized now but I do find it difficult to kind of describe myself in that context because I can't say I'm an immigrant because I'm on a I'm on a non-immigrant visa at the moment the actual terminology for me in the USSR is a non-resident alien and I'm not very likely to tell anyone that I'm going to be a non-resident alien somewhere it doesn't sound very inviting but at the same time even though I'm classified as a non-resident here because I don't have a resident visa. I don't consider myself a resident of Ireland anymore. It's been nine years since I lived there. And for the past almost four years, I've been living in New York. So it feels much more like I'm a resident of New York as in comparison to a resident of Ireland. Mm -hmm. But uh, similar to Pippa, I think in terms of the people that I met over here, I didn't have any desire to come over and recreate my life in Ireland, in New York, I would say there's very few people in my immediate circle of friends that are actually from Ireland. And I think one of the great benefits and one of the fantastic things for me about traveling abroad is that you meet all these people from different backgrounds Mm -hmm. and from different upbringings. And it's far more interesting to me to meet those people than to meet the people that grew up half an hour down the road from me. Yeah. And, you know, I also recognize that it would be probably maybe a different answer if we had someone who whose native language wasn't English yeah. you know, yes. in, in the group to, to whether or not that makes a difference or how, how easy it is to facilitate those, breaking those bonds and those barriers and those, those cultural Very differences. Very much so. It's interesting. There's two, and this could be horrible stereotypes, Keelan, you can either back me up or throw me down. Okay. But the, I feel like I have a group of Parisian. I have friends who have moved from Paris to New York recently, so I spend time with them huge pack of Parisians they go everywhere Mm, together they mm -hmm. speak French and obviously English is not their first language although they all speak impeccable Mm, English English yes Um, so they seem to stick quite tightly together and then um, I feel like uh, you get these little enclaves of um, Australians and Kiwis as well which I think I can understand as well because they are seriously far from their homeland. Mm -hmm. So they spend like every holiday together. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that that's an interesting point for someone who can't within six hours Mm -hmm. be back home, you know, when it's more of a 15 hour investment. I I think that's true. If you spend holidays, more holidays here, maybe you look to find those families that you create. And I think New York is really, you know, one of the best places in the world to be able to do that because so many people are in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one thing that's amazing about living in New York is I'm not sure my experience would be the same if I'd moved to a small town somewhere in the Midwest because I would be a, I would stick out like a sore thumb. But here, every third or fourth person right. doesn't have an American accent. And 
I imagine if both of you think of the 10 people you've hung out with socially in the last 10 weeks, I imagine very few of them are native New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. So everyone, yeah. everyone has picked up their stuff and is, you know, looking for the dream and moved here. So in that sense, everyone has that commonality in New York. Yeah. Well, let, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the actual, you know, working in New York City or, or, or working at Situation. You know, what, what are some things that you've noticed that are different culturally? Pippa, you mentioned that you worked for uh, an agency in the UK and worked for that same company initially when you came to New York. Yes. Uh, before you came to Situation. So you've, you've clearly had an opportunity to see work culture in both places. Are there things that you've noticed that are particularly striking in the differences? Uh, are, and, and specifically, uh, I kind of think I kind of want to get at like what, what, what's one thing that you wish was part of the culture of working here in the US that isn't and, and why? Oh, those are good questions. Um, similarities and differences. I, the first six months definitely took a lot of uh, readjustment. I'm struggling now to remember exactly what those differences were, but most of it comes down to communication style. Mm. Um, we speak the same language, but the semantics can be very, very different mm. from each other. Um, so conversationally, um, I think the way... Brits communicate a point can be very different from Americans. We tend to be, I think, uh, a little more circuitous to our point. And Americans can be very direct. Um, So I think that was a little different. Um, And figuring out how to make myself understood. Um, Do you think that um, are Americans less able to pick up on subtext and thus require more directness or is in in the circuitousness is there an implied understanding that we we aren't used to uh, as americans and in which that then requires people to be direct maybe i'm i get yes i guess so i found that people used to call me in to translate when i first moved here with (laughs) british clients and they were like i don't understand what they want i'm like it's obvious and they're like, they didn't say any of those things. <laughs> no, but it's what they didn't say or the way they were phrasing something that made me realize. So, yeah, I think there's a kind of understanding and insight of that is that I think anyone who grew up speaking the same language has. I can have the same difference when I'm the only Brit in the room and someone else is talking about something and I'm not quite getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then def- the other big thing is I'm um, just contextually not growing up here. There's so many frames of references and All cultural references that just go straight over my head. And I have, and you would, it's only when you're, you, it's not familiar to you that you realize how often they come into the conversation day to day. Is there anyone in particular that you feel on the podcast you'd like to reveal you've been pretending you get? that has that you've been kind of nodding and smiling it's a safe space no I don't think there is I think it's the other way around I can be very sarcastic and (laughs) I've definitely softened it in the last few years but I would say so much stuff and people would just stare at me blankly and I'd be like I was making a joke I'm not being offensive (laughs) (laughs) Keelan what about you is there uh anything that you've you've noticed culturally that uh you you wish was part of the mix more here uh, in the States? Uh, yes, I don't, this is not specific to situation. I don't think it's particularly relevant to the working environment and situation, but I think in general in the US, uh, there's sometimes this sort of bigger is better mentality mm. that 
crosses over into work. Uh, I've had friends and been in positions where it's sort of assumed that the longer and the harder and the more you work, the better it is. And I don't necessarily agree with that. And I think that's, that is an American sort of point of view of things. Whereas I think like for me, going on at length for many, many hours of the time isn't a very productive or effective way for me to work. And I think that situation is actually much better at being a very sort of balanced uh, workplace environment. Like we are encouraged to go and get your lunch outside and you can go and take a walk around the block and you can take 15 minutes to just kind of refresh your head. And I think that's much more productive and I like that, but I don't think that's necessarily true in businesses across the US. I think what is strange for me, especially working in New York and especially working for brands that have so many international clients, is that there's not a very strong international focus sometimes. Like again, like I mentioned at the start, we as Europeans are very aware that our neighbors speak 20 different languages and so that things have to be presented in different ways with different words with different styles and I think even though there's a huge international component of people just for example going to see Broadway theatre we are definitely not always thinking about how do we translate this piece of information do we go as far as translating the text does the style need to be different how is that user accustomed to purchasing um i think that's interesting because Mm -hmm. like if you look at even uh, entertainment venues on a much smaller scale in mainland europe you will have every single flag across the top of the page where you can click and have that translation and that's not really the case here because, if, again, if you travel for an hour, you're going to find someone else that speaks English and English is the predominant language here. So I think that's uh, an interesting difference. Well, you, you've segued nicely into another one of the questions I had, which is, does your the fact that, you know, you, you have that experience working abroad and is specifically working or, or at the very least attending live events. So much of what we do is, is live events. Does that give you a leg up understanding something or, or is that something that you find you can bring to the team that, that is a strength, just understanding what those needs are. So, so many of the people that come to live events, especially in New York, are people that may not speak the language or that are coming from other countries or speak the language, yeah. but just have other cultural expectations of what entertainment is. And I think sometimes we, you know, we can just get lost in the idea that everybody understands what Broadway is and the rules are. Yes. Do, do you do you find that you draw upon that experience in your day to day? I think it's interesting because if I take, for example, my family from Ireland in comparison to my boyfriend's family from Connecticut, if they come to New York for a long weekend, they're probably going to do very similar things. We're going to go out to a nice restaurant. They're going to want to see a show. We're probably going to go to a museum. The itinerary is exactly the same. So I think for a lot of people coming to New York, they have a lot of boxes that they want to check. So it's not necessarily that international people are looking for an entirely different experience. But I would say that you're right in terms of there are different touch points that you need to think about. And even with reference to Pippa's comments on cultural touch points, I still watch a lot of international TV. And whenever I'm watching it with my boyfriend and he's watching ads from the UK, he's like, I don't I don't know what that was about. And conversely, I have a good friend that actually she's the marketing manager for the city of Belfast. And whenever she's over here, she'll look at ads and be like, I have no idea what that is wanting me to do. And I think it's interesting because you've obviously got such a small time frame to capture people's attention and get them to 
proceed to that action that you want them to. I think it's really difficult to be clear and entertaining and relevant to a really broad, international, diverse audience. Mm. Yeah, I think it's really uh, interesting that I... And this probably is the case for a, a number of people in the office, but I came to New York as a tourist to see Broadway shows and see the sights yeah. maybe three three or four times before I made the permanent move here. So I, my first experience was through the lens of a tourist who had 72 hours and wanted to pack everything in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of understand the, the, how overwhelming New York can be and how you need to kind of simplify that, be it clear instructions, clear advertising, making the transaction smooth, yeah. directions, all of those things that I think we take for granted. But I also say that people visiting from Londoners or someone from another big city, San Francisco, Chicago, Paris, you're going to kind of just get in the groove of New York pretty quickly. Like you're used to public transportation and navigating a map and crowds of people. So I think someone visiting from London probably would feel uh, more able to navigate New York than someone visiting, I don't know where from, but yeah, no. Well, that's interesting. Do you do you think that you know you know we work at a digital agency? We are we are exporting you know kind of the way that through tech the way tech going back to what you were saying before, Keelan. I think that idea that ethos of the technology company, which is just work, work, work until mm-hmm. you get it done, throw a million hours at the product. Mm-hmm. You know, we are in some ways, I think, exporting that around the world. We are yeah. we are seeing that be a culture that. Uh, is being emulated, and I, maybe those differences are disappearing a little bit. And I wonder, uh, you know, it, it, there's to my mind, there's probably a, a downside to that. There, I'm sure there are many downsides to that, but um, I, I wonder if the world is becoming more uh, the same in, in those large urban centers. Are we losing the distinctness of what it is to go experience what it's like to be in Tokyo versus New York versus San Francisco? Well, I even think, thinking about at home, whenever I would go abroad, so Belfast City is large and has lots of shops, but I remember even going, you know, going abroad, going to London even for a weekend whenever I was 13, 14, and being really excited to go into H&M because we didn't have H&M at the time, whereas now we have everything. Like, I could go... I could go out in Belfast and we would have the vast majority of the shops that I shop at in New York. I think there's definitely less of a difference. I think the things that I would say like my priorities of things to do are definitely different to going on vacation like 10 years ago because I think there are, I think you're right, I think there is less differentiation between cities. So, But I think that's where actually it's interesting for us because for us, a lot of our clients are things that you can only do in New York, which gives us a nice little, I don't know, a nice little boost, a nice little leg up because we're not, uh, we're not just a retail chain or we're not something that can just be bought online, but because situation is obviously very focused on experiences and unique, wonderful experiences. uh, We are offering something that people can't do anywhere else. Hmm. Well, I have one one last question for you guys, and, and thank you again for taking the time. I think we could probably have this conversation for another hour. <laughs> uh, do, do, if, do you feel comfortable, and if not, I understand, but do you, you know, that, that interview question that you always get asked, where do you see yourself in five years, ten years? Do you, do you think that 
you are likely to still be in some capacity interested in working in the States. Do you, do you just, and do you have any thoughts on that that you feel comfortable sharing? I will say from a selfish point of view, I hope this kind of um, less of a distinction between culturally London and New York continues because in a dream world, I would be bi-coastal mm. London and New York. Yeah. Um, luckily, the specializing in Broadway, there is a lot of exchange across the ocean. Right. Um, I have learned so much being here and they're very similar and very different in many ways. So the, the, the visa that you get of working in live entertainment can take you to a lot of the, the capitals of the world. Exactly. Exactly. So um, whilst New York is not the home I grew up in, it's certainly been a huge part of my life for the last mm-hmm. five, nearly six years. And I think it always will be. So I hope I'll never leave it entirely. Yeah. Kieran, what about you? I think it's very difficult to say at the moment. Like I mentioned earlier on, I'm on a non-resident visa at the moment. And I think without getting too in-depth into the political situation at the moment, there's a lot of uncertainty around uh, the right to work in this country. And I would say that I know for a lot of friends who are considering this or are coming closer to the end of this uh, temporary visa point and have to make big decisions, being in a country where you don't necessarily feel entirely welcome to be there as an outsider um, contributing to that society doesn't necessarily make you super enthused to stay on there. I think it will actually be interesting over the next few years as uh, as the political climate changes in the US. I think for the first time, rather than uh, the US being the great recipient of brain drain from around the world and talent all coming here. I think we're actually going to see a lot of people in the US starting to explore abroad. I think with at the moment, I think we've only got about 40% of people in the US have a passport, but I think that's going to rapidly increase. And I think young, talented people are going to start looking at more international destinations. So I'm actually really excited to see what those changes mean. I feel as well with also how you mentioned about digital technology sort of blurring the lines of when we're working, when we're playing, there's also a bit of a blur in the distinction between location. Like we have employees that work in Nashville and that work in Los Angeles and they're part of our office because we can be connected. I think that's interesting that you could potentially be working for an exciting American company, but not necessarily residing in the U.S., well, I, 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 for one, am very glad that you are both not only working with us, but working here in the office with us. I think it makes the office a much more interesting, a better place to be. And I hope that that continues for a long time. Um, thank you both for, for being on the podcast. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And thank you to all of our listeners. If you uh, have any feedback or any comments or suggestions for us, please send them to podcast at situation.myc. Uh, we especially look forward to hearing from uh, other people that are working internationally who, who have to share their perspectives. Uh, we'd love to circle back on that. So thanks again. We'll talk to you guys again in a couple of weeks, and we'll talk to you soon.